Well, good evening, uh, everyone. It's great to be with you all tonight. Uh, if you've been with us, we have begun a series in which we are learning uh, to love, uh, learning to love by considering Jesus as our example and as our teacher. And the theme verse uh, is John 13, uh, 34 and 35, in which Jesus exhorts us, his disciples, to love one another as he says, as I have loved you. And so we're looking to Jesus uh, sitting at his feet to learn how to love. And we need to do this because as David said two weeks ago, we have very confused notions about the nature of love. And so who better to help us get those confused notions sorted out than Jesus? Uh, last week, Chris challenged us to uh, that the starting point, the starting point for treating others with love is to see them, uh, to recognize, to acknowledge another person's presence. Uh, I did, I was an English major, uh, Anna was teasing me earlier, uh, George Herbert, uh, I did my thesis on George Herbert, a great uh, Anglican clergyman and poet of the 17th century. And in one of his best known poems, he describes a dialogue between uh, love, who is Jesus, and uh, the speaker. And the first stanza goes like this. Love bade me welcome, yet my soul drew back guilty of dust and sin. But quick-eyed love, observing me grow slack from my first entrance in, drew nearer to me sweetly questioning if I lacked anything. I love that image in that poem of quick-eyed love. Quick-eyed love that sees the other person, that draws near to the other person, that inquires into the well-being of the other person. There is such great power, brothers and sisters, in seeing the people around you, in acknowledging them, uh, it, it, that you appreciate their presence, just that uh, conveys to another person dignity. I see you. Uh, it conveys worth. I care about you. I'm glad you're here. Love sees people. Tonight, we want to take a, a step further, and we want to talk about hands, the hands of love. This is a fitting image because genuine love never merely sees nor feels. Love is not a mere feeling. Love responds to what it sees with life-giving action. Here's a scripture from Matthew chapter 9. Jesus was talking and uh, it says, Behold, a ruler came in and knelt before him saying, My daughter has just died. Come and lay your hand on her and she will live. And Jesus rose and followed him with his disciples. And when Jesus, it says, came to the ruler's house and saw the flute players, the crowd, these are mourners gathered outside the home making a commotion. He said, go away, get out of here. The girl is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But when the crowd had been put outside, he went in just notice the language, took her by the hand, and the girl arose. And the report of this went out through all that district. Jesus' hands reaching out to this girl 
to bring life. Why, why hands? Our hands, I think it was Aristotle who said that our, our hands are the tool of tools. Our hands are our instruments which translate our thoughts, our emotions, our intentions in, into tangible actions and expression. So to lend a hand uh, is an idiom uh, that means it's the idea of getting involved or, or to put your hand to the plow uh, is, an, is an image of, of, of getting to work, either to help someone, to, to bring aid to someone. In scripture, the hand is, is so often the instrument of power, either power power uh, to do good or, or power to do evil, either, either power to help and to heal or power to do harm. And so uh, frequently scripture talks about the hand of God. The Old Testament makes uh, references to God's mighty hand and his outstretched arm as, as instruments of his saving power. Uh, frequently in the book of Deuteronomy, uh, it, it describes God delivering uh, Egypt out of out of their bond. Uh, sorry, delivering not Egypt, delivering Israel out of Egypt, out of their bondage in Egypt. And here's a verse from Deuteronomy seven. Uh, it says, "It is because the Lord loves you, and is keeping the oath, the promise that He swore to your fathers, that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand." and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand, the, the wicked hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. God's love moves him to take action on behalf of his people with a mighty hand. God's love compels him always to act on his beloved's behalf. Scripture also talks about human hands and um, more, most frequently often, not always, but human hands can be instruments right of great harm in the Old Testament, again, numerous passages make reference to the hands of the wicked. Uh, for example, Psalm 71, rescue me, O my God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of the, of the unjust and the cruel man. And when Jesus with his disciples begins to foretell to them his death, it's interesting. He uses this language again. He says, I'm going to be the son of man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. He's going to suffer at their hands. And so when Peter preaches the gospel in Acts chapter two, he confronts the people with the fact he says that Jesus was killed by the hands of lawless men. Human hands can be instruments of great harm and great evil but they can also be instruments of great good. Just one biblical example here, Proverbs 31 describes a woman of noble character who, what, who opens her hands to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. It's a beautiful image, that of, of hands, power to do good, power to do evil. When, when we think then of Jesus and Jesus' hands, what do we see? When we see Jesus, we see one who uses his hands for good. Again, more examples. Jesus uses his hands to heal people. 
Matthew chapter 8, when, when he came down uh, from the mountain, the text says that the great crowds followed him. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Here is a person who, who had an infectious skin disease, uh, which also, uh, according to Jewish law, meant that this person would have been ceremonially unclean. You know, Jesus could have healed this person just by saying, um, you know, I heal you, you're better. Jesus didn't need to touch him. You and I probably would have said, I hope you feel better, but I'm not touching that. Jesus could have healed him simply by speaking, but he reached out and he touched him. You know, at a time uh, more recently when there was enormous stigma for those who were suffering from HIV and AIDS, Princess Diana of Wales made international headlines in 1987 when she visited AIDS patients at a hospital ward in London. And there she was photographed with a young man suffering with AIDS by the name of Eve, uh, Ivan, I think, Ivan Cohen. And she was photographed there shaking hands with this young man. Such power in reaching out and touching to heal. Jesus uses his hands to heal. But Jesus also uses his hands to feed, for example, if we think about Matthew chapter 14, uh, this is a well-known example. Again, the crowds are around him and, and he sees them. When he went ashore, it says he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them. He's moved and he healed their sick. And when it was evening, the text says the disciples came to him and they said, well, this is a desolate place. The day's over. There's no restaurants here. Uh, send the people away to go into the villages to get food for themselves. And Jesus is like, no, they need not go away. Give them something to eat. You know, and the disciples are like, well, all we have are five loaves and two fishes, and that's our dinner. Uh, and Jesus says, oh, bring them to me. And he, and he orders the crowds to, to sit down on the grass. And he takes the five loaves and the two fish. And he looks up to heaven and, and says a blessing and breaks the, the loaves and gives them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds. He uses his hands to, to meet human needs, to feed people. He uses his hands to rescue. I love the story in, uh, also in Matthew 14 you know, where, where uh, Jesus goes up onto the mountain to pray and, and he, he uh, sends the disciples to go on ahead and they're, they're in a boat, they're out on the water um, and uh, it's windy and, and uh, they're afraid and Jesus comes to him, uh, comes to them and uh, extraordinary. I, I would have loved to see, he comes to them walking on the water. And of course, Peter says, Lord, if it's you, uh, they, they thought it was a ghost, but Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus says, well, come. So Peter gets out of the boat and he, and he walks on the water and, and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and uh, began to sink. And he cries out, Lord, Jesus, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him 
saying to him, oh, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? And, you know, when he gets into the boat, the wind ceases and those in the boat worshiped him. Truly, you are the son of God. Jesus uses his hand to bring rescue. Final example, he uses his hands to bless people. You all know the story, Matthew 19. Uh, children were brought probably by their parents to, to Jesus that he might lay his hands on them and pray. And the disciples, like, don't bother Jesus. The, the disciples rebuked the people, but Jesus said, no, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them prayed for them, brought blessing to them. You see, over and over again, we see Jesus not only seeing people, but, but he responds to what he sees with life-giving action. And so the hands of Jesus bring blessing. They bring rescue. They bring uh, healing. They bring uh, sustenance. They bring food. What about your hands? What about my hands? The thing that I, I, I've been thinking about is, is that we dare not imagine that we are loving people if we are not also actively engaged in doing people good. I, sorry, Anna, but I, I just finished reading Middlemarch. That is a long book. It's a great book. Um, but this, this quote struck me from Middlemarch. What do we live for? One of the characters asks. What do we live for if not to make life less difficult to each other? What a thought that is. What do we live for if not to make life less difficult for each other, to each other? Now, you see, not to see, this is what we looked at last week, not to see other people, not to pay attention to them, not to acknowledge them. Well, that's not to love. But neither is, is seeing and not doing. You know, if we say he didn't lift a finger, it, it's like I couldn't be bothered to, to, to get involved in, in somebody else's life. To see and not to do is not love. And scripture makes this point frequently. Here's this one example, 1 John. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Love sees and love acts. It lends a hand. It reaches out. It touches others. And, and certainly, certainly in scripture, this has to do perhaps most frequently with helping and assisting those in need, those who are suffering, those who are hurting. Those are the examples, those who are oppressed. But we err if we imagine that love is, is only always primarily heroic action. We do much better to learn that love calls us to, 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 to do what we might say is ordinary action, although there's really nothing ordinary about it at all. 
I mean, consider you're having a conversation with, with, a, with a husband who assures you that he loves his wife enough to die for her. Well, that's all well and good, but does he love her enough to do the dishes? If, if you have the means to do good to another, but choose to withhold it, is that love? Love gets involved. And I hesitate to give examples because there, there's no limit to the ways that you might use your hands to love others. Think about your situation right now. People are lonely, they're isolated. People want friends, they want companions. How can you reach out? There's another hand word. How can you reach out to those around you? You know, we use that language all the time, reaching out, reaching out. But are you? What might it look like for you to begin to reach out to others? You know, I, I have a special word here because I'm a, I'm a shy person uh, by nature. Um, and I have had to learn, and some, I know some of you are, are shy as well more than, than others, but I have had to learn that my shyness cannot be for me an excuse of not making the effort to greet people, to inquire into their well-being, uh, to offer my friendship. The hands of love. The hands of love can be practical. They can be shoveling snow for your neighbors. The hands of love can be comforting. We have a, a, a dear friend, uh, Janice, who uh, uh, I don't know how often, once a week perhaps, uh, goes to a home for unwed mothers to hold babies and to comfort them with that touch. The hands of love can be hands of prayer. My, my dad had macular degeneration in his, in the, toward the end of his life. And his ophthalmologist uh, would always ask my dad before he would give him the treatments for his eyes, would always ask my dad if he could pray for him before giving him that treatment. And he would put, my dad told me this, uh, he, he would put his hand on my dad his shoulder and pray for him. You know, that, that doctor could not, his, his hands could not keep my father from, from the, the encroaching blindness, but his prayers were so instrumental. Perhaps because of his prayers, uh, my father is in the presence of Jesus. Love responds to what it sees with life-giving action. The hands of love. When we see Jesus, we see the hands of love. Consider that finally Jesus' hands, his hands are the everlasting credentials of love in action on behalf of others, on behalf of you and me. Think about it. The, the one who said, Isaiah 45, the one who said, I made the, the earth, and created man on it. It was my hands who stretched out the heavens. I commanded all their host. He, that same one, is the one who allowed others to stretch out his arms upon a cross, to nail his hands to the beam for you and for me. If, if you want to see love, look no further than Jesus' hands. I love the account. 
John chapter 20, after Jesus was crucified, risen, he, uh, he showed himself to his disciples. And you remember Thomas says, well, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. And so a week later, he appears to them again. And, and, to, and to Thomas, who doubted Jesus, what does he say? He says, Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Put out your hand and place it in my side. Don't disbelieve, but believe. And of course, Thomas responds, my Lord and my God. Jesus' hands are, are the hands of love. Jesus says, as I have loved you, so love one another. May it be so for us, brothers and sisters. Amen.